Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Paradise, a track-by-track, album-by-album listen-along pod of the contemporary Renaissance man, Jimmy James Buffett. Uh, my name is Cameron. I'm one of your co-hosts. I am a longtime Buffett boy and a once upon a time, I was the only kid in fifth grade to have known the phrase RCA Victrola. <laughs> I am also joined by my other co-host uh, and my good friend, who is just a semi-normal person somewhere over China. It's Joe. Cameron, I've got a tin cup for a chalice filled up with coffee and not red wine. And I think that it's Jimmy Buffett time. <laughs> Well, Joe, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to have uh, uh, wine at 11 a.m. No, it's 11 my time, so yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, Joe, today we're talking about a little album called A1A. Now, this is the third, right? The third major album in his discography of the mustache era. Um, and, Joe, I don't know about you, but there's not only some CBBs in here, mm-hmm. um, but uh, overall, I found this to be a very pleasant uh, uh, album. And uh, Joe, it even made me cry. Really? It did, actually. I Can I guess? To Please try and guess the song. Oh, geez. The song that made Cameron cry. It's, I'm thinking that it would have been Nautical Wheelers. Ooh, that's a good guess and has a level of sentimentality to it that would make sense for someone crying. Unfortunately, it wasn't that. I will reveal it when we get to the next song, and I think you'll be surprised. Okay. Um, Is it door number three? It is door number three. Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, you'll have to go into detail about why that song made you cry. Yeah. Um, but Joe, uh, I'm happy to be back with you again. Um, What were your overall thoughts of the album before we get into it? Okay, well, uh, I have a, uh, I'm going to save my overall impression uh, for when we do our margarita rating at the end. But I think that uh, I'm just going to tease it up front and say that you may be surprised by my margarita rating this week. This album, I'm overall, to yeah, yeah, you're going to be surprised. This album, it's a rare example of what I would call kind of a, uh, it's a backloaded album rather than a front-loaded album. Like, I think you side know, B is a lot stronger than side A. Joe, I think this might be the first album we just significantly disagree on. You think I so? The, okay. I have the opposite opinion. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Man, this is going to be a good This is going to be a good, be a good one. <laughs> yeah. All I right. also cried at door number three, though, so I don't know if I can necessarily... <laughs> that says it. a lot about your, your impressions of this album. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to get deep into your psyche uh, in our analysis of this album. Man, I, I, yeah, I think we are. It's post-holiday season, uh, folks, uh, for January at home. And uh, yeah, it's just a sentimental time of year, I think. Um, well, Joe, um, why don't we get started so we can avoid another two-hour podcast right away with uh, some addendums? Yes, Cameron, I, I like to think that uh, in this time of of, of uncertainty and fake news that uh, podcasting in paradise is a bastion of journalistic integrity, which is why uh, we begin each of our episodes with addendums. Uh, first, I want to talk a little bit more about lobsters uh, because uh, last week I made a claim. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Joe, Joe, you're not telling yeah. me that on this album art there's some crustaceans that I'm not seeing, right? Well, I'm sure there are plenty on, in the ocean, 
you know, because he's looking out on the ocean. So I'm sure that there are some hidden crustaceans in there. Okay. Uh, but no, this is about a claim that I made last week, which is that I read a story in which uh, fishermen had caught a lobster that was approximately 450 years old. I don't know where I saw that. I tried to reef. I tried to search for that article again after the episode was over, and I could not find it. And I mm. did get. I, I was redirected though to a site which I spent hours on, uh, called oldestthings.com or something like that. We can put <laughs> we can put the link in the show notes. But it was just basically like a, a uh, it was a a curated list of like just the oldest things uh, on Earth, and they had an article about lobsters, and apparently. I was not wrong to say that lobsters are theoretically immortal because okay. they can continue to regenerate like limbs and organs and stuff theoretically forever. However, uh, apparently like in the wild, they tend to live about 40 to 50 years and that's because they have to molt. Like they have to like undo their shells and like and the process of, of molting is like super dangerous and they are really vulnerable. So generally they live about 40 to 50 years in the wild. However, well, well, Joe, real quick, though, I mean, I, I, maybe this is an issue that you're bringing up, because um, all I know is that really, I mean, that is kind of tragic, right? If you're functionally immortal, and the only thing that's uh, potentially killing you is you stripping off all of your skin. Um, Joe, I don't know about you, but when I strip all my skin off, I'm just like, living groovy. I don't ever have to worry about that. And you know what, that's just a good time to check our privilege. Yeah, yeah, you know, we got, we got to check our uh, vertebrate <laughs> privilege here. You know, thinking about the, the invertebrate, uh, are we? Is this, is this an episode of Joe and Cameron's biology again? Yeah, this is an episode of Are We Vertebrates? Yeah. I think so, right? This, isn't a vertebrate like someone whose like skeleton is on the inside and then an invertebrate is someone who's is like a creature that skeletons are on the outside? Uh, we'll have to uh, ask the scientists. Hey, uh, for all of our scientists fans, uh, please write in and clarify for us, are lobsters vertebrates? Anyway, Joe, you were continuing to uh, explain to me about lobsters. The oldest lobster ever recorded, his name was, I think, George the Lobster. He was 150 years old, and he was, for a brief time, in the possession of a seafood restaurant in, like, New York, where he was being used as, like, a, like a tourist attraction until eventually PETA like negotiated for his release. Well, then what happened after that? I think he was released back into the ocean where, you know, maybe shortly he... thereafter he <laughs> molted and died. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I think Peter did the right thing uh, for sure, because um, as we've established on this pod, we're not a fan of being uh, absolute monsters. And um, look, if uh, lobsters meant to die in the ocean, you should take one out of captivity for the last 150 years and throw them right in. Yeah, well, you know, and, and also, we have to remember that, uh, you know, who, who really is the, the privileged one here? Because, you know, lobsters, they have their skeletons on the outside, but we, as humans, our skeletons are deep within. <laughs> and if only they were on the outside, everybody would, would know how, uh, uh, how monstrous and, we and are. exciting my uh, ischial tuberosity are. Yeah, no, I mean, some of my... <laughs> Some of my best features are hidden on the inside. Yeah, you know what? That is true. Yeah, they, there is a pretty privilege of lobsters that we're uh, ignoring and that their, ex, their exoskeletons um, uh, are a point of uh, decoration. Um, Joe, uh, thank you for that update. I am a little bit more comforted by the fact that most lobsters aren't like centuries old beings that were boiling alive for fun. And one thing I didn't mention in my last episode too, they're a delicacy, but like if we're being honest, not that tasty. Oh, no. considered? They're only kind of no. good. 
the 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 drawn butter does a lot of the heavy lifting with yeah. shellfish in general. That, that you know, <laughs> you know, yesterday my wife and I went to like a seafood restaurant, and they had these enormous crabs like in the tank. And <laughs> how'd you find them? They were, they, yeah, I know they they were pretty well disguised <laughs> in like a field of crabs, but there was one like its pinchers were like kind of, uh, they were kind of like making a. a they were making emotions like, help me. <laughs> that looked like, yeah. And, and, and Lily, my wife was saying, I, this, this lobster looks, or this crab looks like it's saying, please don't eat me. Please don't eat me. <laughs> what did she do? Did she eat it? No, we didn't eat it. But we okay. did have, we did have some crab spring rolls, which are fantastic at that restaurant. <laughs> I don't think it was with, it wasn't that crab though. Okay. So yeah. I don't feel too we bad about it. Have you seen those videos of people's pets pressing buttons to send small uh, messages? Um, no. You, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, first no. of all, there's a whole subgenre. I, I think it might, have been, might be coming from TikTok mostly, where folks are putting out um, buttons with small phrases like, you know, their name or, you know, food or, you know, their toy or whatever. And you press the button, it says toy, or it says food, uh -huh. or it says dinner. Um, there was one red dog walked up uh, and it said, it was looking in a mirror. And it turned around and pressed the button and it's, it pressed its own name. Mm -hmm. And then it went to the other button and it said, help. And then it pressed its own name and went looking back at the mirror. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. That level of self-awareness is really, really mind bending. Yeah. Got to send PETA into that house. <laughs> Negotiate for its release, send it back to the ocean where it belongs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, Joe, thank you for that addendum. Do we have more? I got some, uh, I'm going to call the, our next segment fan mail. It is kind of like addendums, but uh, these are corrections that come to us from uh, fans. And the first- So are you, Joe, are you saying that we, like people are, hey, are, are you guys listening to this? Anybody? Is this writing? Did you write this, Joe? Well, I mean, I didn't write it, but my mother did. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not- I'm not embarrassed to say that this, this fan mail comes from my mother because my mother is a legitimate fan of this podcast. She did like, text not, me yesterday, actually. <laughs> yeah. Did she, did she say, like, that she, congratulations for being engaged? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, she, after she heard our, I think she heard our second podcast first, the, uh, the uh, Pink Crustacean mm -hmm. episode, and she wrote me, uh, Joe, I loved your podcast, First Class, and then she said, she adds, does Cameron mispronounce conk on purpose? I realize that you intentionally drop inaccuracies as part of the humor. Is that one of those? So uh, the question is, did you purposefully mispronounce the word conk as in conch shell? Well, I was simply following the pronunciation rules for Italian, Joe, in which mm -hmm. the CH would come out as a hard consonant, that'd be conk. Um, but I suppose that I should be saying conch or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but, um, I, you know, yes, it was an intentional uh, accuracy, I will say. Yeah, we did it on, we totally did it on purpose for, for humor. Uh, uh, she yeah. <laughs> she goes on to, uh, to add, and this comes from my aunt. My aunt, I don't think, is a fan of the podcast, but <laughs> she, she did. Li I don't think she's listened to it, but she did live in Key West. So because uh, okay. we, we claimed that the, the conch people uh, were like the. Or, or conch. Or Who conch, knows? yeah. Who's to say? Yeah, 
we we claim that they were like the original inhabitants, like the Bahamanian uh, people of Bahamanian descent that lived there before like mm-hmm. the white settlers came in. Uh, mm-hmm. However, uh, a, a, in Key West, Conk uh, is uh, are the people who were born in Key West as opposed to moving there. And the term is often used as a snide description of good old boy entrenched politicos. Uh, she adds, Key West is a place where there is a great deal of corruption, nepotism, and local government. Uh, so like the conks are like the, they're just like the locals, whether they are white or, or Bahamanian, they're just like the local people. Well, there you go, Joe. The, the more we know, uh, we've learned how to pronounce it finally. We've uh-huh. learned what it actually means. And it's only two episodes past when we talked about it. So maybe three. And when we release this, it's going to be like two weeks from now. So... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, listeners, remember a month and a half ago when we were stupid? We'll just yeah. remind you we're still fucking stupid. I can't think of a more uh, a more efficient way to communicate with our fans. <laughs> uh, or my mother. Job. Like, just commun- This is how I communicate with my mother. She that's, writes that's me something, true. and then I respond to her on a podcast four weeks later. Much as this uh, podcast has replaced all other facets of our friendship, uh, it's also replacing all other facets of your relationship with your family. So that's great, Joe. This is a successful podcast so far. Well, you know, the way I figure it, we either talk about Jimmy Buffett or we talk about the Kings, which is our other shared interest. <laughs> and that's just no fun to talk about this season, It's not right? at all. Boom, boom. How, about, how about Halliburton, though? He's great. He posted, the, the Kings Instagram posted a picture of him holding a puppy today, and I responded by saying he's now my favorite uh kings player and the only right. way that that deer and fox can uh, uh can take the mantle back is if i can if i see a picture of deer and fox holding a french bulldog puppy mm. then he might be able to take that mantle back but right mm. now halliburton's got the, the the mantle once again this is a jimmy buffett podcast where we talk yeah. about nothing but jimmy buffett nothing but jimmy buffett um jimmy buffett um give nothing me one but buffett. hold on all right, I got another piece of... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, sorry. I was just uh, writing an email to De'Aaron Fox's representatives about that request. Uh, but, okay. oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry, All continue. Right. No, uh, he'll get back to us in a, in a couple of business days. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, I already, I messaged him on Twitter, so I'm sure he'll respond anytime now, you know. Oh, man, we double messaged him. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. We're going to look desperate. <laughs> All right, so uh, this this next uh, piece of fan mail addendums comes from an act like a legitimate fan, uh, someone who we do not have a relationship. Holy yeah. shit! Someone who we do not have a personal relationship with, uh, who actually listened and enjoyed our podcast. Uh, this oh my is, god! Uh, this comes from uh, Parrothead Poet on Instagram. That's uh, at Parrothead Poet. Apparently, on the uh, on the song Grapefruit Juicy Fruit. I said that that was the most dated song because he had a line in there where he said, drive in, uh, guzzle gin. And uh, Parrothead Poet corrected me by saying it's drive in, as in drive in movie theater, not drive in, as in driving a car. Uh, oh, and that I didn't led even me, pick that up, Joe. I thought you That meant led me well. to a very interesting Wikipedia article on that song because uh, there's actually a story behind that that is – I guess, an important distinction. So it says here that uh, Buffett wrote the song in Key West, Florida, at a time when he could play in a bar called Howie's Lounge in the afternoon and work on a fishing boat at night. He would meet young tourist girls riding the conch or conch tour train and take them to the island drive-in theater. 
they would have some purple passion mixed in a jug, which I assume had gin in it. Uh, and if mixed correctly, the dates would claim that they couldn't taste any alcohol, to which Buffett would reply, that's the point. <sighs> cool, guy. guy. Yeah. cool guy. Cool guy, Jimmy. Yeah, real cool guy, man. I just, sometimes he really impresses you with his uh, real critical consciousness on femininity and uh, feminism, rather. Um, yeah. Well, that's really cool. Wait, what did you call it? Purple punch? Is that what you said? Purple? Purple passion. Yeah, purple passion. What is that? What is that? What are you talking, is that a marijuana strain? What are we talking about? No, here? and un unfortunately, Wikipedia did not have a, 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 an attached article which went into detail about what Purple Passion is. I think it's a gin-based mixed drink of some sort. All right. Well. Um, or it could not have been. Maybe he just, he just said it was gin in order to make the rhyme work. Well, we, I, there's another, there's a few slant rhymes in here that we can talk about today as well. Yeah, he's notorious, we know, for twisting reality to meet his rhyme. Although maybe we're just big dum-dums and don't know what those things mean. So oh, yeah. there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you. Uh, uh, was it Parrothead Poet? Parrothead Poet on Instagram. Parrothead Poet, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate your fandom and uh, you win. <laughs> yep, you got you're us. The, you're the first one. <laughs> Um, well, all right, Joe, that was really fantastic. Thank you for those addendums. Do we have more? I mean, we have we no have more addendums. Mail, we could do this. Oh, okay. No, we have no more addendums. But hopefully this encourages fans to, uh, to write in, uh, knowing that uh, we may mention you on the podcast if, if, if you bring us something interesting for our addendum segment. There is no better time to get in on this pod. This is the ground. Like, look, guys, we're just like an episode and a half away from blowing up. You're and actually, that brings, me, um, that brings me to a, a prediction. I almost forgot to mention this, but uh, uh -oh. you, you know, I've noticed something here. And, and this is oh, not no. my theory. I'm, I'm going to push my theory that I mentioned two weeks ago uh, back again. Whoa. It's, an, it's an evergreen topic, this one. And it actually may be better for us to talk about it later. But uh, I've, noticed, I've noticed a pattern, uh, a disturbing pattern. Uh, with our podcast. And I, and I, and I think I'm going to make a prediction based on the pattern that I've observed. Joe, are you casting a spell right now? I'm really no. scared. Yeah. No, but I'm making like a Nostradamus type prediction. Oh God. Or should I say right. I'm making a Joe Stradamus. This is my Joe Stradamus uh, prediction for, uh, for, for what's going to happen with our podcast. Cause you know, I've noticed with our release dates, we chose a common, a common release date for each week. We, we record every other Sunday and we release every other Thursday. Uh, and it happens. Uh, that, so that's happens Saturday or Wednesday for you Westerners out there. He's on China oh, time. Shoot. Yeah, you're right. I was using China time. We record every other Saturday. We release every other Wednesday. So I've noticed that uh, our first podcast was released on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Our second podcast was released on the day that the Capitol was stormed. And our third yeah. podcast was released on the day that Joe Biden was inaugurated president. Uh -oh. So uh, every time we release a podcast, there is some major event going on, which I think distracts our viewers from otherwise viewing <laughs> our podcast. And I think that is the reason. I, I mean, I can't think of any other reason why our, our, our listenership is not in the millions right now. And I think that's why, <laughs> because every time we release a podcast, uh, it coincides with something that's going on that, you know, other people are concerned about in the right. news. And so here's my Joe Stradamus prediction. 
I think uh, the Wednesday after next, something is going to happen in the news, either good or bad, which is going to distract people from otherwise listening to our podcast. That is my prediction. Okay, folks. Well, you heard it here first. He is talking about February the 3rd. That is a Wednesday. Uh, and again, you know, this is going to be a tough one to track. Make sure you look for the signs. Something, either good or bad, will keep people distracted by the news instead of episode four of Podcasting in Paradise. You heard it here first, folks. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, uh, and, and, <laughs> and don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Uh, Joe, that joke is too real too because uh, <laughs> these these have just been insane Wednesdays. I, I mean, I, I, somebody posted a, a thing around the interwebs the other day about the three Wednesdays in January so far, and as you mm -hmm. you just mentioned two of them, the other were we mentioned in that Indian. article? Were we were we mentioned that all in that <laughs> you article? Know, we, it's we would have been like you're saying, <laughs> yeah. but every Wednesday in January has been crazy. First, we had an, the second impeachment of uh -huh. uh, former President Trump. We had the uh, attempted coup attempt uh, uh, at the Capitol, the riot, and we had uh, the inauguration of uh, our current president, Joe Biden. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's also on a good, bad pattern, right? And also, Ooh, of course, there was, the, there was the Bernie Mittens meme, which every time I tried to, to advertise for our pod, you know, I got drowned out by a million different Bernie memes, some of which <laughs> I, I was posting myself. Actually, I'm looking at this album cover, I, you I put a Bernie, could, a Bernie meme in there. We could put a Bernie meme in this chair for a one eight. I think yeah. that works. And and of course that joke is that joke is evergreen. Uh, oh, it's I'm never sure, getting old. I'm sure it'll still be hilarious two weeks from now when we post this. I mean, look, they sold sweaters about it, so that's yeah, how you we, know. We, we actually we should do that. I mean, it may at least, uh, it's, it's, least get our uh, numbers yeah. up a little bit. We're joking, but it's uh, actually a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all righty, Joe. Um, well, Joe. That was fantastic. Thank you for those addendums and sure. um, uh, uh, th that prediction, that, that very ominous prediction. Mm -hmm. um, but Joe, you think you know what time it is here? Uh, I think it's time for me to humiliate myself with how little I've paid attention to the lyrics to this album. That's right. It's time for another round of two flip-flops and a pop-top. Here we go. Okay, Joe, this is two flip-flops and a pop-top, the trivia, the lyric trivia game, where I give you three lyrics, two of which were from a Jimmy Buffett song on this album that we just listened to, and one of which is not Jimmy Buffett at all. Mm. Two questions, two flip-flops and a pop-top, which one of these is the pop-top question number one? Will the left foot, it'll follow where the right foot has traveled down to the sidewalks unglued? Mm -hmm. Or is it B? He said, roll along, Columbia. You can ramble to the sea, but river while you're rambling, you can do some work for me. Or is it C? Thought I might sail down to Bridgetown, spend some time in the Barbados sun, but my plans took a skid when I smoked the whole lid and wound up where I'd begun. Mm. So C, that looks like it might be a Jimmy Buffett lyric. Uh, 
But the question is, do we think that Jimmy Buffett would be that explicit about drug use? And I think the answer is yes, he absolutely would. And we've seen him, we've seen him examples of that already. Therefore, uh, I think that C definitely is a Jimmy Buffett lyric. Oh my goodness. Sorry, uh, folks. Uh, my wife, Lily, is showing me an adorable video of uh, Coco Bear, my, my little French bulldog puppy. for a sec. <laughs> Coco Bear, she's, she's made an appearance on every one of these podcasts so far. She's a charismatic gal. Yeah. You know, you know, what are we going to do? All right. So All right, C, see. I think, definitely is a Jimmy Buffett lyric. I also think that A is a Jimmy Buffett lyric uh, because this is the part of that song, Nautical Wheelers, where he's explaining uh, how, how the drunks are spilling out into the street. Mm. Um, and B is not a Jimmy Buffett lyric. In fact, it is a Woody Guthrie lyric. You little turd. I knew you'd know this one. You yeah, it's a Woody Guthrie lyric. Oh, <laughs> See, that was the it. problem is that the, the, the lyrics that you were choosing were way too recent. You had to go with songs from like the 30s. Yeah. Well, that one was from the 40s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that song. It's a song that he wrote about the building of the, uh, the Hoover Dam, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think the song's called Grand Coulee Dam, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Grand Coulee yeah. Dam, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 it, was, yeah. It, was a, it was a love song to the Works Progress Administration. Well, Joe, look at you, you little smarty pants. Mm -hmm. You got yeah. it. Man, I, well, you get an extra point for that one. Um, yeah, you, that was, you just have two flip-flops, none of them blown, no pop-tops for you. But what about question number two? Is it A, I'm tired of looking out the windows of the airplane, I'm tired of traveling, I want to be somewhere. It's not even worth talking about those people down there. Or is it B? Yeah, now come on down and lose your mental balance. Look at me half crazy now. Oh, talking to chairs is strange and I know it. Look at me, I'm doing it now. Or is it C? And then I'll sit him on my shoulder and up and up, open up my trusty old mind. I'm gonna teach him how to cuss, teach him how to fuss and to pull the cork out of a bottle of wine. Okay, none of these were on that this album. <laughs> <laughs> these are all pop tops what are you talking about jesus okay uh i'm tired of looking out the windows of airplanes i'm tired of traveling i want to be somewhere it's not even worth talking about those people down there uh yeah i mean that sounds like it might be a jimmy buffett lyric because he writes a lot of songs about how he's tired of moving you know he wants to settle in a certain place that might be a jimmy buffett lyric uh B, this sounds like someone who's in the middle of like a mental breakdown. <laughs> so it might be from the song Door Number Three, because that's a song I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna explain this later, but that's a song about clearly someone who's having a mental breakdown. Oh, and okay. uh, and and C I, I this one I, I think is I, I've I the pull a cork out of a bottle of wine, I remember that. So hmm. I'm gonna say B. I'm I'm gonna say B is our pop top here. Okay. Uh, Joe, B is not the pop top. The pop top was uh, A. Oh, Jesus. A is from the song The Big Country, which concludes the Talking Heads album, uh, more songs about buildings and food. Oh, oh man. I should have known. The Steve Byrne yeah. lyric. Steve yeah, Byrne got me. Yeah. I, I, I was going to put something from earlier, but it was like, you know, I see this, I see that. I see this, and I also see that. I was like, well, he's going to see right through this one. He's going to know that's Steve yeah. Bird. Or David Bird. Damn it, you did it again to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right, Joe. Well, that was a one for one, but uh, for just recognizing that Rudy, uh, Rudy, 
What do you got three? Thank you. Oh, Jesus, my brain. I can't. Anyway, I think that's two flip flops and a pop top. Uh, thanks for playing. Okay, Joe. Good game. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Um, Joe, typically speaking, it's the custom uh, after we play two flip flops and a pop top to simply take a break. Mm-hmm. Would you like to take a break? Yeah, let's take a quick break uh, and then come back and talk about this uh, this cover, this album, uh, and and the the tracks. All right, a quick break, and we're back. Are you looking for a high fantasy Dungeons & Dragons podcast? Well, look no further. Point of Inspiration is a new D&D podcast where you can follow four unlikely companions as they adventure their way through a homebrew campaign. To experience Point of Inspiration, you don't even have to listen to a whole episode to get a peek at the shenanigans. Check out our Twitter and Instagram at PoiPodDND, that's P-O-I-P-O-D-D-N-D, to get updates on when we release new episodes and our hilarious content creators will surely woo you into checking it out. Come join us on Point of Inspiration, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. All right. So uh, we are back here to talk about Jimmy Buffett's album, A1A. And before we get into our album art here, just a couple of things about the album, first of all. Mm-hmm. The album did get to number 25 on the Billboard Top 200, which is pretty good. Yeah, so it's his highest charting album so far, by far. To date, yes. And uh, uh, another fun fact, uh, this came out in late 74. Our prior album that we talked about, Living and Dying in Three Quarters Time, came out in early 74. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, by the time that this album was released, in a period of about 18 months, Jimmy Buffett released, I think, three albums and a soundtrack for a Jeff Bridges movie. What? In addition to doing, yeah, I know, right? Um, I think, uh, God, I think it's called Royal Deluxe, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Um, uh, but yeah, he did the soundtrack for that. Um, he did three albums released, and he did um, just a ton, a ton, a ton of touring of all sizes. One fun anecdote from some of those tours, he was playing a showcase, I believe in Oklahoma or some kind of random place like that. And uh, right around the time of the release of A1A, and mm. uh, him and uh, uh, Bartlett, who was his only band member that traveled with him, um, who does uh, lead acoustic guitar on this album, they were playing a show, and they found out that the Commodores were going to be playing and doing mm-hmm. 15 minutes ahead of somebody. They drew straws, and Jimmy and Bartlett came in uh, short. So the Commodores came in, blew it out, just walked off, it should have been the closing act, and Jimmy Buffett has to follow. So what does Jimmy Buffett do? He goes up drunk. Uh, He talks about how great the Commodores are for about 13 minutes, and then he plays, (laughs) why don't we get drunk and screw, and he walks off the stage. And the way that Jimmy tells it, they got just as many bookings as the Commodores did after that. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Commodores. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know... Um, some fun stuff there. But yeah, no, this is a period for him uh, where he's doing a lot of traveling around, um, getting some uh, uh, commercial success. Um, none of the singles did particularly well um, on this album. I think the highest rating sequel was door number three, or single, mm. was door number three. 
Um, I, yeah, I that makes I sense. Topped out at eighty-eight or eighty-three or something like that. But you know, there are some uh, uh, some CBBs in here. Uh, two songs not written by him also on this album: uh, Dallas, that was written by uh, Roger Bartlett, his bandmate, mm-hmm. and Making Music for Money. And we'll talk about that one a little bit. Uh, or actually, we won't. Uh, Making Music for Money, which was uh, another band. I can't remember who did it first, but it was not him. Oh, um, he didn't write Making Music for Money. I don't believe so. I could oh. totally be making that up. But you know what? Oh, well. <laughs> you know, if we, if, we got, if we got any of this information wrong, I'm sure our fans will let us know, and we will do an addendum four weeks after that. Yeah. Or your aunt. Or my aunt. Yeah. <laughs> no, my aunt, my aunt, again, as far as I know, not a fan. My mother, huge fan of the podcast, but not a fan of Jimmy Buffett. So I don't think she's going to be correcting us on anything uh, like specific okay. to Bu- okay. Buffett. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, Joe, um, what do we do now? Is it time for a We talk about the album, album cover. Yeah. It's time okay. for our album art. Okay. So uh, we got Jimmy Buffett. This is how, this is, I think, the quintessential Jimmy Buffett album cover. This is, this is an album cover that I think would inform all of his following album covers and once again most of what i know about jimmy buffett so far is about his album covers he's lounging carefree on a beach somewhere he uh, is wearing a a a mustard yellow shirt and Mm. uh, a pair of super hot short tobias fumke never nude cut off (laughs) jean shorts (laughs) he's got a beer next to him. And I think this is a mistake on Jimmy Buffett's part because I cannot identify what beer that is. It looks like it might be a Modelo. Uh, um, uh, computer uh, Enhance. Enhance. Is there a uh, hidden crustacean on that beer bottle? Oh my God, it's full of sand crabs. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't know what that is. It, it looks, uh, I don't know. It looks, it's got like a weird wide neck. And it's the, got like the thing where the label's on the top. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a Modelo, maybe. Anyway, the point is, huge misstep for Jimmy Buffett, because we've learned, you know, even early on in his career, he is a master of buzz marketing. Uh, you know, we, we have Juicy Fruit uh, <laughs> later on, uh, you know, Hush Puppies. Uh, later on, you know, uh, we're going to hear a lot of, like, Heinz 57 and, uh, and uh, uh kosher pickles which i don't think actually kosher pickles is not a brand it's yeah, type no. of pickle. Yeah. another misstep it should have been claus and pickle <laughs> uh but you know like i should we'll be able to see i should be able to see that label you know he missed a big opportunity here he could potentially have never had to pay for another bottle of whatever brand of beer that is but i guess he showed a little bit of restraint on here well joe it's funny that you mentioned that because this was a period of time where jimmy buffett was just kind of beginning to think really specifically about branding mm-hmm. um, and i have a fun little story for you here i was going to save it but since we're talking about branding right now um so you know in the song he does make mention of how uh, key west is sort of becoming more crowded becoming mm-hmm. more of a location for people to come to and sort of ruining his vibe that is so mm-hmm. well encapsulated by this album art and um while he would play shows there um, sometimes he would make reference to this in sometimes explicit, sometimes subtle ways. So, um, you know, he would make reference to a local celebrity. It was a guy who uh, was a, in some adjacent social circles as Jimmy, um, mm-hmm. who was really well known for kind of just hanging around some of those major bars, um, the chart room, uh, and the other one that you mentioned earlier, known for being a bit of a weed smuggler. Mm-hmm. But by the mid-70s, when this war on drugs is starting, that becomes less and less viable thing to do. So this guy gets busted 
but he disappears mm. after he's arrested and nobody knows where he went. So Jimmy Buffett bought one of the pop-up novelty shirt makers that were capitalizing on this local hero. <laughs> and oftentimes on stage, he would wear the man's name on his shirt and his shirt read, where is Bum Fardo? Is that his name? His name was Bum Fardo? Bum Farto. Bum Farto? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, Bum Farto. Where is he? We don't know. And neither does Jimmy. Um, so there you go. There's some uh, merchandising from the Key West days. Um, you know, I, I heard somewhere that like Jimmy Buffett is among the like the highest, like he's like one of the highest grossing musicians in history. He's got to be, yeah. Just, just like as a result of like his various different kind of multi-level or not multi-level, just his marketing ventures, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why you know right there we're seeing we're seeing the seeds of that early genius, early genius. Yeah. Um, so, folks, if you guys have a lead on where's bum Fardo shirts, um, I will buy several. Um, just, just send me that link. Um, Maybe we should sell Where's Bum Fart. No, that would be kind of stealing. Anyway. Um, I have some t-shirt ideas for us, by the way, because in the course of doing this uh, this podcast, we've either intentionally or unintentionally, we've developed a series of, of catchphrases. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on to them because I don't want to get them. <laughs> you don't want what? <laughs> Let's do t-shirts. I'd be down to t-shirts. That'd be fun. Okay. Well, I, I okay, think that's easy, right? If we're going to do a t-shirt... First of all, we need an audience to well, sell we got, them to. We got, we got <laughs> poet in your mom. <laughs> yeah, okay. My mom would definitely buy a t-shirt for sure. Yeah. And, uh, but I think if we were to make t-shirts, one of them would say, I'd like to preface this by saying dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> Something stupid about to happen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one uh joe sorry we got off track again um do, is there anything else about this album art that we should uh, talk about no we can only assume that the ocean is filled with hidden crustaceans and then that, that way we, we keep our streak alive of hidden crustaceans on this album <laughs> um yeah no i, I this is uh, i think in, in the book i was reading they mentioned that um this cover was sort of uh, uh indicative of the laid back ideal of jimmy mm -hmm. buffett not just a singer songwriter but a whole vibe and uh yeah I think I think this is a vibe, Joe. Well, if you're done talking about the album art, and I'm done with two flip flops and pop top, typically that means we actually do the thing that this show is about. We only have one item left on our agenda, and that is <laughs> to get the show started. <laughs> All right, let's get it started now. This is 1974 A1A. We are going to listen to the opening track. Now, this one starts in a little bit more of a rock and roll way. I don't know if you caught on to that one. Real strong mm -hmm. start. This is making music for money. It's a pretty long intro. Bunch of good bits. 
Um, but Joe, how did you feel walking into this? Did you really say, hey, hold on a second. I thought he wasn't made for glitter rock and roll. What's all this electric guitar? Cameron, this song rocks. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this is a great song. I was thinking as I was listening to the song, this, could, this song could be about any subject and I would still enjoy it. <laughs> and isn't that what but, the 70s are for? This could be a song about like cooking and eating French bulldog puppies and I would still rock out to it. I would hate Jimmy Buffett as a person, as a human being, but I would still rock out to this song. I don't eat puppies for money, but I am eating puppies for me. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Take it, fingers. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually wanted to talk about fingers work on here because there's a really cool harmonica solo that's coming up here in about 30 or so seconds um, that we'll, we'll play for you all as well. Um, but yeah, no, the instrumentation was a lot of fun. I thought the conga was restrained, but present in a way that made it exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it was a hooky, fun song. I'll also say by minute three, I was kind of like, I think I get it. I think yeah. I get the point of the song personally. Um, yeah, it didn't need to be four minutes. No, and uh, I think for that reason, it was one of like the, the more simply structured songs in this album. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, before we talk more about that, let's get this harmonic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, am, I, am I listening to Blues Traveler all of a sudden? <laughs> awesome fingers yeah. action. Fingers, as always, coming in the clutch. Uh, another another T-shirt, by the way. Another T-shirt, by the way. Great fingers action. <laughs> Great finger action. Oh man, dude, we do have some good T-shirts, Joe. Yeah, look at we you. We just need an audience, dude. Mastermind. We just need an audience, and then we can we can start pumping them out. Okay, so we've got <laughs> we got Paradise Poet. You got your mom. Yeah. My dad's listening. Um, uh, I have an Gabby. uncle who's maybe okay. a Jimmy Buffett fan. All right. He needs, to, he needs to figure out how to download podcasts and then we can get him on board. Mm, okay. Well, maybe, maybe we can just have him as a guest. He can just listen live. <laughs> get the mainline version of Podcast in Paradise. Um, Joe, yeah, no, I thought that was a fun start. That, that's what I'll say about making music for yeah. money. Strong also, kind of a fun, fun irony because he is, he is now making music for money, not, not necessarily just for himself. Um, well, I mean, he's, he's making uh, like beer and like branded products for money but he's still making music for him well that you know he never ne doesn't make music for him to be fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh which is really beautiful jimmy buffett right he can be perfectly commercial and perfectly himself at the very same time joe are you ready for track number two i'm ready now this is joe i know you have thoughts on this song but i just oh, want to yeah. let you know this is my very favorite song on the whole album and i want to remind you don't worry i will treat it respectfully <laughs> and i will treat it with the song with the respect and honor that it deserves uh and i also i might, might need to say depending on what i say about this song i might need you to uh, break my uh, sincerity and emotion with a uh, snarky comment of some sort to save the comedy of it yeah, all because worry. it did don't legitimately worry. make me cry today don't, um, this is I don't know how <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, okay. This is, this is door number three, a song uh, about the uh, famous game show, obviously, you know. Um, let's make a deal with Monty Hall. Let's make a deal with Monty Hall. Here we go, door number three. 
action here um mm -hmm. tells a long story and i would love to play the whole song please please listen to this song there's very very i i found myself very much caught up in the imagery here um but joe you're trying to tell me that uh maybe this person isn't mentally stable for some reason okay well i'm gonna start off by saying i like the song a lot too i, I think it's a really <laughs> good song but this i mean this is for sure the most dated song on the album right <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's a fair. it's a it's a song about well, a show well, from this. Well, didn't they make remake? Uh, Let's make a deal. Did they? I think I did. Well, no, Drew Carey hosted Price is Right. I'm pretty sure they redid Let's Make a Deal, a show that I've always enjoyed. By the way, okay, me too. I used to watch Let's Make a Deal like on the Game Show Network, like the old episodes on the Game Show Network when I would play hooky from school. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So yeah, I I appreciated that. But I don't, I mean, even if they did remake it, I think we can agree that the heyday of Let's Make a Deal was uh, the mid 70s. And that uh, the ch children today, kids today are probably not aware of the specific reference he's making. Well, some of the specific references, but um, Joe, you know, the spirit of Let's Make a Deal, that, <clears throat> that, that itch that you gotta scratch, you gotta take the risk, you gotta know what's behind the door, that yeah. thrill, that never ages, Joe. And or that's what I resonated with the most. In fact, this lyric coming up is really when I understood this song is actually about. Lost my seat, but I'm not a man to crawl. Though I didn't get rich, you son of a bitch, I'll be back just to wait and see. Cause my for just about my whole life, Joe, I have been irrationally tied to games of uh, long, long, long chance. Things yeah, where you're true. certainly not going to win. In fact, I remember um, as a very young child, uh, one time being very upset that I went, didn't win Monop uh, Monop <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's Monopoly. Say that a few times fast. Um, and uh, Joe, you know, uh, I still... It turns out that that... It turns out that that was not a game of chance, actually, the McDonald's Monopoly, because we've learned. Oh, we did learn about the mob. It was right. I yeah. forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> so you really had no chance of winning it yeah. at any point, unless you made a deal with that dude, you know, to like give him 10% or whatever the, the, the grift was. Right. Um, yeah, so this is one of, I think this is one of the, the uh, one of your defining characteristics, other than your, <laughs> your love of Jimmy Buffett is your love of, very complicated uh games and uh this is one of the one of the few things that you and i have consistently failed to connect on <laughs> as, as friends like you know we like the same music we like the same tv show and movies uh we we both connect on sports at least with like the the kings mm -hmm. and you've tried so many times to get me to go along with your mm -hmm. Uh, with your games and i am not i cannot like my mentally i cannot process anything that's more complicated than monopoly 
<laughs> yeah, Joe. Um, no, the the rush of uh, of uh, the risk and the chance is is very very alluring, which is why, typically speaking, I avoid casinos. Yeah, um, you told me that. You said you 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 avoid gambling because you're afraid it's, it would be your favorite thing in the world. Oh. Yeah, no, it, it would be, which is why, like, when I play something like free fantasy football, it, like, does truly, like, it's fully absorbing my attention for about 16 weeks of the year. I cannot do anything but, like, think about fantasy football. And I don't what even was, really like football that much. I just like the that, chance. <laughs> what was that game that, that you, 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 you brought over one, like, a, a game that you liked that was, like, a little bit dumber so that I could play it? Uh, and... What was it? It was the one where you, like you had to guess who was lying to you. Uh, um. Oh, was it was it Sheriff of Nottingham? It was Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I remember we were we were playing that, and I think the action was like a little bit. It was like a little bit slow for you, uh-huh. and so you started making like side <laughs> bets on Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, it's always a good way to pick it back up. You know, you got to put some yeah. extra action on it, right? Just because <laughs> yeah. one person gets busted out for being a liar doesn't mean we can't have any side action going. Absolutely. Well, Joe, you know, the good thing is, and part of the reason I cried on this song is um, what I realized was, uh, you know, I've been to a, back in 2019, I went to a, a couple of casinos uh, within about two months span. And in both times, I was really uncomfortable. Um, uh, because it turns out my social anxiety is greater than my love of gambling. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. casino settings are like kind of a nightmare for me. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. reason I cried today, Joe, and it came out of nowhere, and it might have been a little bit because you're talking about the game show network where I would watch that at my grandma's house. And there was something about it at the very end of the song where I just felt this deep, semi-irrational regret for never having taken my Nana gambling. <laughs> and that, and it just, I, it took me. I like by the end of the song, I was like weeping openly about a thing that I had thought of for the very first time. For not and taking her gambling. She loved to gamble. She loved casinos, you know? Oh, yeah, it was I'm such sure. a great experience, you know? And I never did it like a big dummy. But yeah, I had never thought to even do it until I listened to that song. And yeah, man, it just oof, got me. So before before we move on to the next song, I I, I need to follow up on the statement I made earlier. <laughs> about how I think that this person who, you know, Jimmy Buffett is singing as a character as he often does. And uh, this character, I think, uh, if it were a real person, I think this person is unhinged. I think this person needs help. And I think this person is, could potentially be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> because I, I don't know if I, was, if I was reading the song wrong, but it seems to be like a song about a guy who he wants to be a part of the show, Let's Make a Deal, so that he could like have some kind of a contact with the woman behind door number three. Cause you know, let's make a deal. They always had like the, the two real prizes and then the one pop top. It was actually a form of two flip flops and a pop top. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, it was. And, a form of two flip-flops and, and the pop top was always like a donkey. Wah, wah. Yeah, and, yeah. and I remember I, I always thought as a kid, like, I wonder if they actually get to take the donkey home. <laughs> Cause I wouldn't, I would not, I would you not be say a, no to a donkey. No, I wouldn't say no to a donkey. Oftentimes, <laughs> it's a better prize than like a dinette set or whatever is behind like the other, like a trip a trip to Palm Springs or a dinette set or whatever. I'd rather have a donkey, probably. Um, it makes an excellent dowry out here. But is like, is that wrong? Am I wrong? Did I read that wrong? He's like in love with the the woman behind door number three, and he wants to pick that door to have contact with her. Is that? Am I totally misreading the song? Um. Huh. Well, I, I think the reason you're picking up on that is because he does gender the door. 
Uh-huh. He says, until I can unlock that lucky door, well, she's no big deal to most folks, but she's everything to me, right? Okay. So, so he's, um, he's saying like, a, it's like, a, like you call a ship a woman. He's gendering I, the door. That's how I read it. But now that I think about it, I mean, there was like a, like a, like a show woman behind the door with the yeah. prize, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking I mean, this you could... guy who was watching it at home, he realized that the show woman was always the same behind the doors and he fell in love with the one that was behind door number three. And huh. he, it says at some point in the song, you know, he did what everyone does on, the, on, on Let's Make a Deal. He wears a silly outfit. He goes crazy. And then he grabs that sucker by the throat until he called on me. Right. Well, you got to get his attention. Yeah, he's being hostile toward whoever the person is. That's the in the spirit of the show. Come on. You got to strangle <laughs> the host every now and then. <laughs> you got to grab way, Monty Hall outfit, by the lapels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the outfit, I mean, I think I know what my next Halloween costume is. I chose my apparel, wore a beer barrel. I held a big sign that says, kiss me, I'm a baker, and Monty, I sure need the dough. Yeah, I'm wearing yeah. that for Halloween. What a great <laughs> yeah. costume. Um, uh, but yeah, no. Um, I, 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 man, I, I love a good gender analysis, as you know, Joe. And yeah. so I think that that does change the song dramatically, but if you want to le read this as a very mentally unstable person who is like literally physically attacking Monty, then sure. I think that's a really interesting read. I still tend towards the fact that he just happens to gender the door or the prize that is, because uh, he does say at the end of the song, no, I didn't get rich, you son of a bitch, but I'll be yeah, back. He called Monty Hall a son of a bitch at the end as well. He's a hostile guest. Well, fuck him. He gave him a donkey. What is he supposed to do, you know? He said, I'm I going for door number three, Monty. Help me out, bro. <laughs> well, uh, Jimmy... You know, the only reason that we're questioning you here is because you have some crazy lyrics about women sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you ready to move on? Yep. So this next song, uh, a little song called Dallas, was written not by Jimmy Buffett, but by his uh, only bandmate and the, I guess, you know, first traveling coral reefer, um, uh, Roger Bartlett. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Bartlett? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one fun fact about him, this song was one that he had played before uh, they recorded it for this album. And he played it in a band that was called Bacchus. Mm. Um, and it was a, uh, you know, it was kind of like a folk country rock thing happening in Texas. They were really inspired by like the band and Crosby, Stills and Nash and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, misspelt the word Bacchus, missing the H, uh, as it would have been the Roman god of like Bacchanalia. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. But he, uh, he did get it on the album here. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and play it. Um, this one is, I think, identifiably not really Jimmy. Yeah. Um, it uh, has really fun keyboard use, I thought. Yeah. Um, both to start it out, but the way that it's sort of like clicked and syncopated throughout. So, uh, well, here, take a listen. If you ever get the chance to go down, take it from me. Yeah, I was thinking like both this song and the next song, neither of them, like I, I didn't check the, the, the credits on this album like mm -hmm. I did on the last one. So I didn't realize that tracks one and three were not written by Jimmy Buffett. 
this song and the next one, like the, they're really like nice, pleasant songs. But yeah, they don't sound like Jimmy Buffett. The lyrics are like way too simple. Mm. Uh, they're just kind of kind of catchy, hooky pop songs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. But I think it is a tale of two sides. Like this side is a lot more of for that. sure. And then yeah. you get to side B, and it's like, oh, this is all the CBBs. This is this is Jimmy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a fun song for the instrumentation, but yeah, you're right. The song structure is pretty. Yeah, you said simplistic. I think that's that's a good word for it, honestly. But yeah, uh, you know, fun song, good song. You know, whatever. It, it, I, it I, I would not skip over shorter. this song. No, yeah it, yeah, it feels shorter than three and a half minutes. Uh, you know, one of the things they said about this song is, uh, and just about his relationship with uh, Bartlett in general, Jimmy, for as laid back as he appeared to be, tended to uh, be a little bit of a control freak and, and mm-hmm. sort of relished in being the solo artist, the performer. And so this was sort of like a growth period for him in that way. And on okay. the next album, Man of Daydream, he uh, finally has his full... Um, band for the first time the Cole Reefer band uh traveling with him as opposed to just Roger just himself so you know it's a little growth from from a young Jimmy Buffett yeah he, he's he has a big ego at the very beginning and he has to kind of grow into someone who can delegate a little bit more for the sake of his art yeah you gotta do it every now and then Jimmy can't be a control yep. freak all the time was this next one written by Jimmy Buffett because this one also didn't sound like a Jimmy Buffett song to me this one was written by Jimmy Buffett and Joe. Oh, we are talking okay. about the song Presence to Send You. And actually, this song is riddled with references to people that Jimmy hung out with in Key West. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It's also got a, a fun little story at the end that we'll talk about. The bar fight story? When we're apart, there's no wake in my heart When we're together, we're a hell of a crew And I got a present to send you Even got money to lend you But honey, I can never ever pretend you're not there on the mind Definitely hooky lyrics, mm-hmm. hooky yeah. key, piano keyboard, yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's a fun song. Um, makes really good use of harmonies in this song. There's mm-hmm. some times where Jimmy kind of like does a sustained note for a while or belts a little bit and mm-hmm. sort of see his vocal range strained a little bit. And uh, he's getting some really good harmonies that kind of cover that up a little bit on this track. Yeah, he's really poppy, especially on side A of this album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's, and it's no, like you mentioned at the at the very beginning, uh, that this was his highest charting album by far. And that makes mm-hmm. sense because he had a big hit, right, with Come Monday. And now this is like the album after that where it's like, this is going to be my big album now that I'm All on right. the radar. And I think that's why we have so many kind of like hooky pop songs inside A here. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and uh, well, this one, so Joe, actually the lyrics uh, that you got caught up on mm-hmm. um, about going to Barbados and smoking the whole lid and that's where I began. That's from mm-hmm. this song. And uh, that particular uh, track was inspired by when they tried to take his boat to Barbados, uh, smoked too much, basically hotboxed themselves on the boat and just weren't able to leave. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, Presence to Send You, um, written about, I mean, there's at least three specific people that were referenced in the song that he used to hang Mm -hmm. out with in the Key West days. So how about that? What an honor. Now, you ready for track six? This will be the end of side one here. Oh yeah, I love this song. Oh no, I don't love the song. Oh, I was thinking okay. of a different song. <laughs> okay. This is a okay, good one well, too. 
I, so this song, the story behind this one is that the first few verses mm -hmm. were written for a, quite a while. And it wasn't until they drive back from Peoria as he was racing to the airport that he wrote the end of the song. And we'll, we'll talk okay. about that a little bit, but this is Stories We Could Tell. No, it's not. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. It is. Yeah. Oh. Track five, Stories We Can Tell. Oh, oh, sorry. I got ahead of my nose. This is not the... <laughs> take, I take all of that back. It disregard everything. Um, this is Stories We Can Tell. This is track five. Um, we both made this... the same mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Do we actually? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yes, stories we could tell. I, apparently, we're much more excited about track six. Um, yeah. Stories we could tell. Here we go. Talking to myself again, wondering if this traveling is good. Is there something else to doing? We'd be doing if we could. song about uh, wishing that they could, if they could just have their stories and listen to them in a motel room way from back when. Um, you know, it's too bad that when he wrote the song, podcast didn't exist because that is exactly what he's talking about, isn't it? Uh, you know what I wrote in my notes here? I said, this song is gross. <laughs> the, the line is, if only we can sit upon a bed in a motel and listen to the stories it can tell. That is a gross lyric. <laughs> well, <laughs> Wait, is it, oh, wait, no, this is worth, worth clarifying too. Is it the stories we could tell and the stories it could tell? Because if it's the I think stories, it's the that stories bed, it can tell. If it's stories oh, we shit. could tell, it's beautiful. If it's stories it can tell, it's disgusting. Yeah, if it's stories we could tell, uh, it's about podcasting before podcasts. And if it's, uh, if it's it, then it's uh, about um, trying to a very listen evocative... to a sex bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could sit upon the bed in some motel and listen to the stories it could tell. Well, yep. Joe. Gross. Look at you! Look Ew. at you! It is. A, uh, that's this is officially the grossest song on the album. I wish that we could take a black light to a motel <laughs> and listen to the stories it could tell. Yes. Um, well, it's a. I guess it is a song about um, wishing you had more forensic devices. Ew. Well, that changes all my opinions about this. Yeah. Song. It's not <laughs> sentimental much at all. It's uh, nope. just weird it's and creepy. Yeah, maybe that's what he was hoping for behind the door number three. Um, yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, huh. Well, shit. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out that note. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Jimmy, I, you must have been in a dark place when you wrote this one. It's kind of tough uh, knowing that you've <laughs> you're reminiscing fondly about a motel bed. Um <laughs> Joe, you have anything else on this one? No. Joe, we're making record time. I think we actually learned how to do the podcast. You mean record in terms of like, this is like the, the most time we've spent talking about each song? No, I mean, like, we're actually like, a, like this might be like Moving. an hour and 15 minutes as opposed to nice. two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Um, which, folks, means we are at finally the end of side one, track number six. Now, this song 
for a while he had written the first two verses, but the last verse did come uh, while he was speeding back uh, to an airport going through Peoria. And this is Life is Just a Tire Swing. That's a good one. Get the congas up front. I remember the smell of the creosote plant when we'd have to eat on Easter with my crazy old uncle and aunt. They lived in a big house, antebellum style. Fun song. Uh, yeah. Woodblock coming in hot. <laughs> the big Woodblock song. Really exploring the space of the studio with that Woodblock. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this song uh, is about um, Jimmy's uh, visits to family in, in uh, rural Georgia, I believe, was, was sort of the inspiration for the first two verses. Yeah. Um, we'll get into the last bit. Um, any, anything else about this song that you wanted to highlight before uh, we yeah, get into this, this last verse? This song was was super interesting to me, both like musically, like structurally. We talk about like how sometimes yeah. the structure of these songs uh, informs the the effect, like how effective he he structures the song, but also like thematically, because initially it looks like this is a classic like nostalgia song of which there are many examples. Mm-hmm. Like he's being nostalgic for his childhood, but like the theme of this song seems to be that he became an adult by learning how to experience pain yes which yes, is that, really an interesting thing to be talking well, about that, in a song the pain part is coming up right now so let's take a listen yeah. First of all, Joe, I don't know if you caught that rhyme, and uh, I'll, I'll read it here to you. But he, uh, instead of saying Illinois, like you know, folks would, he says yeah. Illinois Road, um, so that he can I get. I thought he a, said Villanova, like uh, like the college. Oh no, no, I'm, it's, I'm, I think he's saying Illinois, as in Illinois, Jesus. but spelling Jesus. out everything. And 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 the reason he does that is because he wants to, of course. Uh, keep a sort of common meter with the next uh, line, which is inspired by a true story. Um, This lyric being, then the other morning on some Illinois road, I fell asleep at the wheel, but was quickly wakened up by a Ma Bell telephone pole. Um, So the story goes, he was uh, coming back from a gig. He had a 6 a.m. flight at an airport in Mm -hmm. Peoria and was flying back down on the road in his rental car, which had lost the keys to that one. So Mm -hmm. kudos to him. Now, when he says he fell asleep, uh, Jimmy, I hate to cast aspersions uh, on your past self, but uh, you've, you've got a history of uh, kind of being fast and loose with drinking and driving, my friend. I was um, thinking the same thing when yeah. I was to that song. <laughs> I think you might not have slept off the tequila. This is revisionist history. Yeah, this is revisionist yeah, yeah. history. <laughs> so he slams into a uh, telephone pole, uh, and that actually happened. 
And mm. uh, folks came out to see the wreckage and he had to, to like, I'm assuming we scheduled the flight. He doesn't go into the details of his flight logistics after that. But um, yes, this was a thing that happened and it helped him finish the song. So do you think, it says uh, through the window I could see it hanging from a tree. Yeah. So do you see like a tire, a tire swing? swing? And so that's now, what inspired him to... If you believe his anecdote, on uh -huh. that road, on the street across, or across the street from the Ma Bell telephone pole was a house with the tire swing. Oh, if you okay. believe the story of it all. At the very minimum, I think he saw one on the road. Yeah. At some point, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the only reason why it would make sense to draw an analogy between life and a tire swing. Yeah. Because uh, that's one of the failings of the song. It's, it's really like structurally, musically, thematically, it's a great song. Uh, in terms of like the analogy, he <laughs> never really makes it clear in what way life is like a tire swing. Uh, I think you're thinking too hard about it, and you're just yeah, maybe the vibe of it. It's a vibe. It's a vibe metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think you know, I think it's as strict as a metaphor as uh, Illinois is as strict of a pronunciation of Illinois. I'm glad you brought it back to Illinois because I was not I. We talked a lot about Jimmy Buffett's rhyming, and we will talk a lot in the future about Jimmy Buffett's rhyming. But this, you know how they say, like, you know, how do you test whether or not an action you take is ethical? And the test is always, what if everyone did this? Mm. What would society look like? And I got to say that to Jimmy Buffett. Like, what if everyone did this in their rhyming, what you're doing here? Language itself would break down. Well, like there would be no standard pronunciation for for Araby or Chicago or <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> These crazy rhymes you're coming up with. Um, well, Joe, uh, I think what you're, you're keying in on here is that Jimmy Buffett was an early part of the linguistic anarchist movement. I was just going to say linguistic anarchist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going to say that. He's a thought leader on the field. And, um, you know, like in the same way that certain uh, uh, states have uh, routinized uh, their, their languages, um, Jimmy Buffett doesn't want to stand for that. He believes in something much more organic, much more carefree, something much more, uh, 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 you know, like a tire swing. Um, it's like he's trying to create his own Creole through, <laughs> his, through his songs. He does, he does reference the, uh, the, the Jambalaya song, uh, mm -hmm. which I... I was making sure I knew, I did. I knew a country thing, Joe, um, yeah. Hank Williams. Um, I don't know if you've heard that song recently, but um, he does use some, I'm assuming Creole or Cajun speak in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does not make any sense to me because mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And not, but this is, a, this is a Jim Buffett podcast, not a Hank Williams podcast. We will not be playing Jambalaya by Hank no. Williams. Um, Joe, that was the end of side one, the side that I felt was the more enjoyable mm -hmm. the side that is certainly more poppy and the side that made me cry we're gonna think of a side too oh yes joe this was the paul mccartney side this was the <laughs> you got me it is the paul mccartney side i can't help it i love paul yeah. mccartney and i think i love paul mccartney because i love jimmy buffett and yeah. you know what they're <laughs> they both not rush more for a reason so <laughs> if if side b was a beetle which beetle would it be oh john lennon Okay, this is the John Lennon side, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I know you want it to be a Harrison side, but it's not Harrison side. No, if it was a Harrison side, we already had our Harrison album with Brahma Fear. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Harrison. Yeah.
All right, now we are going to side B. Maybe the more nautical side, the more Key West side. I think the more Jimmy side. Um, mm -hmm. And appropriately, it starts off with a real, true CBB. This is track seven of A1A, A Pirate Looks at 40, famously written about a bartender and uh, other character in Key West bars who was just a man beyond his time. Mother, mother ocean, I have heard you call, wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall, you've seen it all, you've seen it all. I'm going to just go ahead and fade it there briefly because there is a lot of song left here. So Joe, mm -hmm. um... This is one of the big ones. I mean, he named his uh, uh, autobiography after it. Um, he, uh, well, uh, shout out to the guys from the uh, uh, Under 40 Victims of Freight podcast. Um, yeah, our uh, sister podcast, you could say. <laughs> sister podcast, I think uh, maybe less, more reverent, I would say. A little bit more sincere than ours, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another um, great Jimmy Buffett podcast for younger listeners, though. <laughs> yeah, we're in that plane in the same way in that sense. Um, but what do you think? This is a gorgeous song. I love it. Uh, you were talking on the last uh, episode about like the muted tropical themes. And, mm. I, and I saw that in this one where like he has the congas in there, but the congas are just kind of in the background. Uh, and and it, it's, it works really well. The harmonies are great on it. It's, mm -hmm. it's a really, really beautiful song. Yeah, and he, he, I think he still performs it at more or less every uh, show as well. It, it, it might be like outside of his hit hits, some of the very ones. And actually, let's listen to some of those drums. I've been drunk now for over two weeks. I passed out and I ran it in a Some of the uh, lyrics in there, they, I mean, this song, it's like never been one of my favorite songs, but that lyric, um, I have been drunk now for over two weeks to got to stop wishing, got to go fishing, I'm down at back. Like that, there's like an down intrusive lyric, again. an intrusive lyric in my mind for my whole mm -hmm. life. Yeah. It just, it, 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 it sticks, that, that, that uh, chorus, I guess, or whatever, um, yeah. is, is just so lyrically rich, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about, where there's these lines that just, they kind of become like an ethos or maybe not like a, like an ethos, but it's just something that, that you're constantly, that's constantly coming up in your life. Yeah. And this yeah. one is full of them. Uh, under 40 victim or uh, over 40, over victim, 40 of victim fate. Yeah. 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 Podcast guys got me. Yeah. Occupational hazard be Occupation just not around. I feel like I drown. Congas. Yeah. And and that one too, the um my action occupational hazard being my occupation's just yeah. not around. That is like yeah. such a good lyric. Yeah. It, it is complex, but it fits the entire theme and it's hooky at the same time. Uh uh gold star, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I'd say if you if you wanted to like 
if you wanted to give people like the perfect example of the highest potential of Jimmy Buffett's songwriting, like for example, if you had someone like me who had only heard Margaritaville, Cheeseburger in Paradise, and another song to be named later, mm. and you said like, okay, here's as good as Jimmy Buffett can get as a songwriter, I would say this, that's the one. I will agree with you in terms of lyrics. Um, I think there's other songs that are more interesting from like a like song structure standpoint mm -hmm. yeah. um, that are maybe a little bit less repetitive, maybe a little punchier, but um, yeah, no, in terms of just like lyrical ability, like that's, I mean, look, yeah. there's a reason he was uh, one of the only three best-selling authors for fiction and nonfiction for a number of years, maybe. It's, beauty, <laughs> it's like a combination of beauty, simplicity, and complexity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fantastic stuff. Certified Buffett banger. Absolutely. CBB. Uh, and he follows it with a much more uh, catchy one, one that we started our show with, uh, and one that I think pairs really nicely. This one is Migration. Oh, oh. I want to play so you can listen to all of the fun lyrics about how he hates uh, gentrifiers. Um, oop, there we go. Um, another fun song. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, uh, I, I was kind of, uh, I was getting on Jimmy's case in the last album about the, uh, the sloppy melding of conga and steel guitar in Livingston's Gone to Texas. And then mm -hmm. I was listening to this song. I'm like, this is, he's doing it effectively here, putting yeah. the, the congas and the steel guitar together. Um, also, this song for me was a runner up in the uh, most dated songs. And it was because of the line that, that came in right after, you right after the fade out, which is most of the people who retire to Florida are wrinkled and something else or another. They lean and on was, a crutch. They lean on a crutch. And, and I said, uh, this is all well and good for, uh, for 1974, but if you played that uh, now, which it sounds like he did, it sounds like he's disparaging the core, his core audience at this point. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, Father Time's undefeated, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought it was a fun song for that reason. Definitely you get a little of that irreverent Jimmy. Um, mm -hmm. There's some fun lyrics in here. Uh, I'm going to get me a sweat-stained Bogart yeah. suit. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I actually, this is the first time I've learned what the lyric was in my head for this entire time. I thought it was a sweat stained, sweat stained mocha suit, as in like a light brown suit. Yeah. Which I guess makes as much sense. Um, yeah, he's talking about the African queen. He makes, makes reference to the, to the Bogart song, African queen. But yeah, I, I like the idea that I want to buy it with the sweat stains already on it. That's how you know it's authentic. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to go through the trouble of sweating in it myself. So there is something funny about this song. And I, actually, I should have written a note. Let me just see if it's, it's a Oh, I just missed it, but it's that it's that uh, that line there. 
I got a Caribbean soul I can barely control and some Texas hidden here in my heart. Yeah. That's There's basically this about, album, right? Well, isn't that him? That's isn't Jimmy that Buffett, like, yeah. And so there's something funny about that line. I've never liked it. Mm-hmm. And I can't, there's so many things about Jimmy Buffett as a kid that were so, I don't know, you could say cheesy or silly or just like people would roll their eyes at it as a lyric. But for me, it was that line. Mm. The only thing I could come up with is like, even as a kid, I was like, yeah, Jimmy, we know that that's how you are. You don't got to yeah. make it a lyric. Yeah, We yeah. can tell. You're the only person with slide guitar and steel drums at the same time, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> we got it. Yeah. You, we we can read it through subtext. You don't need to. You don't need to put it forward in that way. Yeah. So aside from being a little bit on the nose here with that uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that lyric, um, solid song. I don't know if it's a CBB, but it's damn close for me. Seems like a song that fans like a lot, right? It's yeah, a, it's like a fan favorite. Maybe it's not a CBB, but it's a fan favorite. I think, I think like, yeah, if you know migration, maybe that's like a good test of your parrot head uh, credentials. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, Joe, um, we had Pirate, or Pirate uh, Looks at 40, mm-hmm. which is this beautiful slow song, kind of pick it up with a little more irreverent, fun Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And then we slide right back into these sort of longer, slower, thoughtful songs with lots of imagery and mm-hmm. uh, 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 sincerity and I thought it was sort of strange actually to have three back to back to back to end the album. Wouldn't be the first time, right? Bit. Well, I think usually there's something that, um, and you know, not to disparage the CBB that ends this album, but mm-hmm. um, or not a for that matter, because those are both very good songs. Um, I don't know. I, I found myself kind of feeling like it was dragging uh, uh-huh. towards the okay. end there, just because you know they're all pretty long and uh, they all uh, kind of move at this similar pace. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get too nitpicky, but in Migration, he talks about summer squalls. Mm-hmm. And in track nine, right after it, another mention of squalls. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know about you, but if you're going to mention squalls twice, if you're going to mention two specific weathered phenomena twice uh-huh. in a row, better not be back to back. Well, Cameron, a it's, a, it's a daily fact of life in, in, in Florida, though. Squalls. You know? Yeah, squalls. I mean, I'm sure Floridians... I know, I'm sure Floridians are also sick of the redundancy, but that's just how they live. What is a squall? Yeah, explain to me what a squall is in case I don't know. I have no idea. It's like a hurricane. It's like a, it's like a... It's some kind of tropical storm situation, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a water spout thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all of our meteorologists out there, please write in with your best squall facts. That's squall, <laughs> S-Q-A-W-L. W-L? No, double L. Um... Uh, and we'd be happy to uh, address it in our <laughs> starting with how do we spell it, uh, yeah, followed, by, followed by yeah, what is the definition. <laughs> I couldn't Google it. I couldn't figure out how to spell it. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of squalls, let's get into uh, some more hurricane imagery. This is trying to reason with hurricane season. Track number nine. I passed out in my hammer and got a slept away past noon. Stood up and tried to focus. I hoped I wouldn't have to look far. 
I'm not going to say I'm a fan of it. I was interested in it um, mm. because, well, first of all, I mean, I'm going to say this. I don't mean this to be an insult, uh, but it sounds like you're not a big fan of the song. So you just take in this, you know, you could take it as an insult. This is one of those. And I have a few examples of it with other artists. This is an example of a song to me that sounds like it took less time to write than it does to sing. I was just about to say, this is one of those songs that Jimmy Buffett could write any, any moment. Yeah. This is, it's, it's describing like- describing his day. Yeah, I mean, like kinda, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, he has a song like this on a lot of his later albums. It kind of feels like, you know, I didn't look this up at, at all, but it just, it sounded, you know, it was very familiar. Um, well, like, I, I think had this could have been on Banana that. Wind, for example. Yeah, go ahead. I had a, I had a note about that because my thought listening to this was this kind of sounds like a proto version of Margaritaville, like a first draft of Margaritaville. Oh. And uh, uh, I don't know, is, is Margaritaville, is that on the next album? Uh, Margaritaville, I think, is on... Uh, um, uh, changes in latitudes oh, not okay. Havana daydream if I'm not mistaken I could have that wrong though but this seems even like the chorus to me it sounds like this is like the first draft of, or like a, a he was like thinking of a, writing a song along these lines and he put this one out and then later he wrote a, a better one which was Margaritaville yeah I could I mean there's some similar instrumentation this one's a different tempo maybe um I do let's let's go ahead and listen to that chorus actually since you mentioned it occurs to me that lyric um yes it's quite insane i think i hurt my brain but it clear cleans me out and then i can go on mm -hmm. do you think he might be talking about uh your uh like the beer shits a little bit from the hangover <laughs> that goes around him? <laughs> do, do beer shits hurt your brain kind of well, the hangover does yeah. yeah yeah and then you get the you get to clear you out and then after you got well, that he, big beer shit they have to drink and you know, you're clearly to he is hungover. Like he, he, he starts the song hungover, right? He wakes up in a hammock. He yeah. wants to get a bloody Mary. Bloody Marys of course are a hangover cure. Yeah. Uh, I think sure the song he is about a, beer shits. <laughs> he had like a, some juicy fruit gum in his mouth and he's just taking a beer <laughs> shit <laughs> while a hurricane's rolling in. <laughs> a squall. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking um, about Paris. Yeah, no, but um, I think the just the main thing with this song is kind of its positioning between um, Migration and Nautical Wheelers, um, mm. which I think are much more interesting songs. This yes. one, it goes in a very conventional verse-chorus-verse structure that... Yeah. Um, 
again, you know, Jimmy can do that anytime. You guys have the, Yes. It's, it's structurally, it's boring and it does drag, but at least it has like a narrative that you yeah. can kind of engage with. Yeah. Um, and look, it's got to be the most beautiful song about beer shits. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, you yeah, why know. Did, why didn't he call this song, why didn't he call this song <laughs> Beer Shits in Paradise? <laughs> oh, I'll send him a note. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, folks. We have some... Uh, 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 Jimmy continuity here. This is Nautical Wheeler's a three-quarters time song in which he does identify living and dying. Nautical Wheeler call themselves sailors play fiddle tunes under the stars petticoats rustle working shoes scuffle shuffle on down to the bars where the jukebox is blasting and the liquor and occasional bottle of wine That's cause everyone here is just more than content To be living and dying in three-quarter time and, and I cut off on the chorus there, my bad. Should I go back to that chorus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, chorus, I'm, right? I'm, I'm sure go. the fans know it, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know the chorus this morning. Take me the stars that you know Come on and dance with me, dance with me Not a cool wheeler I want so badly to go All right. Yeah. So, um, Joe, I only had one note on the song when I listened to it today. Yeah. And I said, well, isn't that nice? <laughs> I like the song oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah it's nice. This is, one of my, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. I love, I, I think it's really beautiful. It kind of reminds me of another very famous three-quarter time song, which is uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel. Mm. But this is, like, Piano Man mm. was like, he, it was like the, a song about like sad alcoholics, whereas this is a song about happy alcoholics. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good comparison though, actually. There is some pretty forward um, piano playing in that song and it's as it says, similar time signature, and there's some similar vocal uh, turns. Lyrically, um, it's also similar because, like, uh, after like the first set of choruses on Piano Man, you know, Billy Joel starts like naming specific people who are in the bar and like a little mm -hmm. bit of their backstory. And I think that even like one of them is named Phil, and and there's a Phil in this song as well. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. I have a uh, I have a I have an update by the way. This is a this is a news flash. We got breaking news here. Yeah, we got breaking news here. My mother just sent me a text message. She said, uh, "Your dad didn't know how to listen to the podcast. I set him up. He subscribed. So we have a new fan." Hey, has, there we go. Shout out. To better start printing senior. those t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Joe, uh, bringing up Piano Man's interesting because Piano Man. I'm saying now, came out in 73. Came out a year before this, yeah. Ooh, Jimmy, were you inspired? Convergent thinking, perhaps? Mm. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, no, uh, good song. You get the living and dying in three course time. Um, again, not a musician, uh, but it feels like there might be sort of like an odd or at least an uncommon like number of bars in this song. 
And I wish I could explain why I think that, but I do lack all musical terminology I would need to do so. So maybe you agree. <laughs> That's all I got. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Well, Joe, with that, we come to the final track of this album. We have a guest for this one, don't we? We do. Now, this is another CBB. This is Tin Cup for a Chalice. And... At the first part of this song, he says, give me oysters and beer mm -hmm. for dinner every day of the year, and I'll feel fine. And you know what? I have a story about that, but to tell that story, I'd like to have a guest. And that mm -hmm. guest is my beautiful fiance, Gabby, who I'm going to get right now. All right. Gabby! <laughs> Come on in! <laughs> <clears throat> All right, she's on her way in now. All right, so this is going to be the uh, the second guest we've ever. This is going to be the uh, the second guest we've ever had on podcasting in paradise. Obviously, uh, my dog Coco Bear has made several appearances. Good podcasting stink. Um. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it does smell in here a little no, bit. I do have some podcasting sweat going. Podcast sweat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Steve, Gabby. It was a joke. Um. So. Uh, for folks at home, uh, this is my fiance, Gabby. Hi. Um, and this particular song proved to be somewhat prophetic for Gabby and I's relationship. Oh, um, I you guys have it, oysters and beer every, every night of the year? Well, not every night. In fact, <laughs> okay. Gabby, how many times did you say you had oysters and beer together in your life? Together, maybe like once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to just go ahead and tell the story. Yeah. And I will mm -hmm. say that if uh, this is too much, we can totally edit it out later. Right. Sure. Joe, do you not know this story? No, I don't know. So okay. this story is near and dear to my heart for a couple reasons. One is it's kind of wild, but the second was, well, I don't want to spoil the ending yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So back in San Francisco, uh, uh, after the Labor Day weekend show, maybe, because we did have oh. a three-day weekend. Mm. And you guys had um, your hush puppies on. We had our hush puppies on. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had bought tickets to an all-you-could-drink beer event at a bar downtown and we had the day off together you know i was in grad school uh, i think uh -huh. we, were, we were working at that point at yeah i worked six days a week 10 hour shifts yeah and so, so it was nice right. to you know this was the first year of our relationship i think yeah um it was nice to have a day out and we you know we're just kind of killing some time before this three o'clock all you could drink beer happy hour thing started and we were walking around the area and we noticed that there was a little dollar oyster thing happening <laughs> and i looked at gabby and i said well have you ever had oysters? And she said no. And so we went in. I wasn't living no fancy life. <laughs> well, you know, they're not that fancy apparently. You can get for a dollar. Yeah. Um, the so, best oysters. The, of course, <laughs> nothing but the freshest oysters from San Francisco Harbor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we had maybe one or two. I don't think you enjoyed it particularly. Um, but, you know. I we, do like oysters now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had that. And, you know, after our second oyster, uh, it was time to head in. No, I think we also found out that there was free pizza. Uh, in oh, Hayes Valley. <laughs> right. Prior to that, we had a free slice of pizza at a pizza place in Hayes Valley. 
we're, um, we're getting so, we're, we're getting a lot of insight on how economics is playing into your decision making. <laughs> we had an entire day day based on where we can get free or discounted <laughs> meals. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. So we're running on a slice of pizza, a couple yeah. of oysters, and we head to this all you could drink beer event, and it is jam packed in that place. Yeah. Now I think we paid fifteen bucks for all you could drink, so in my head I was like, I'm not getting any less than five beers because three dollars a beer is what's going to make this thing worth it. Mm-hmm. So we're having a good time get our first round, get our second. I go up for a third round and I overhear one of the event organizers talking to the bartender. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, we got to start cutting people off at three. We're running Uh out of beers. We only have this many cakes left. Mm -hmm. And he said, so if you see people with empties, just take them and let them know that that's the the end. So you had insider information. Yes, (laughs) I quickly ran back to Gabby. I said, hide the empties. Coming back (laughs) with beers. Came back with as many beers as I could. Needless to say, we made uh, our 15 bucks worth it. Yep. And, we and that was our only concern, was to drink more money than we spent. Well, that's the point. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Like, like we said, there's no thrill in the gamble. No. Of you don't want to lose money, money on front. the deal. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. In San Francisco, you've got to take it back by force with your stomach or any other means necessary. So at 3 p.m., we were determined to do that. Yes, <laughs> and by yeah. 5 o'clock, we were done. We were <laughs> sloshed. And as we walked out, Arm in arm, Gabby said something very sweet to me for the very first time. She said, I love you. I didn't say it at this point. Yes, you did. Oh. I remember this better than you did. Okay. Because once we got on that BART train, we're heading on the M line. We're heading back to her place. What did I say? Sorry. Whatever. Um, <laughs> um, we're on the Muni. didn't even live in San Francisco. <laughs> we're on the M line. We're heading back. Um, new, uh, uh, new relationship energy, all that. Uh, we actually trash like how romantic we is are trash in broad daylight on the <laughs> there's nothing like being work. being totally drunk at five in the afternoon there's nothing like that feeling yeah, yeah. um we're, we're on with a bunch of people just getting off of work who like you yeah. know have functional <laughs> lives yeah and uh gabby was holding a shoe box because we actually hit up a uh, uh shoe sale earlier in the day, <laughs> nice. day too. Yeah. we got 80 percent off shoes yeah um and uh there's this long stretch before West Portal, which is where it comes open air, where it's, where it's underground and there's no stop. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Gabby, uh, as we're pulling away from that underground stop, getting into that long tunnel, she looks at me and says, hey, I'm not feeling good. We were sitting mm-hmm. backwards on Muni, and it was just not good news for me. And I told her, well, what, those oysters aren't coming you down, or what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> What part, of, what part of what part of dollar it, oysters and all you can drink beer is not agreeing with your stomach? <laughs> it makes sense. So we um, we I'm, you know I'm like oh man like we'll get off as soon as we can like you know we'll just get off of West Portal we'll get outside you know you can take care of your business there no problem and just as that light is breaking in to Muni so that we can see everything very clearly. Gabby's dam breaks oh. and she begins to throw up. Now I was wearing black pants. I think you were wearing black too. Yeah. Um, and we're sitting again. Of course we're <laughs> and the only thing I could think to do on short notice, uh, you know, that crisis brain kicking in action was to open the shoe box and take out the shoes. <laughs> so Gabby proceeds to yarf in the shoe box, yeah. which of course is not fully sealed. It has plenty of holes. So that beer is right, just right, all, right, or right. that bark is just all over the place. People right. are, Having a reaction, I wasn't quite focused. I'm sure they were just, oh, you know, another commute home. I yeah. I am very surprised that people were not actively beating me up. Uh, you were the barbecue lady. I don't think <laughs> I ever wanted to be near you. 
Um, I would beat this. They beat you up, you might barf some more. <laughs> we hustled her off the Muni. We took that barfy shoebox, threw it over a stone wall somewhere, oh, and got goodness. out of the station as quickly as possible. We got an Uber home. That guy picked us up for some reason. I thought he was going to leave us, <laughs> and he said, no, come on in. And we gave him a good tip. Oh, I yeah. remember crying Yes. because I was so embarrassed, yes. and then saying, I love you. And I was like, I'm embarrassed. You were partially embarrassed that you had said, I love you. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just remember crying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, this this song, I, you know, I had probably heard it for the first time when I was 10 or 11 years old. And then a Ooh. decade later, who knew? Prophetic of the woman I would spend the rest of my life with the very first time that we knew. I am sorry so, that Jimmy Buffett has lowered your standards so much that you saw me. <laughs> Was it? And, you know, he baby, set my standards, babe. This was formative <laughs> culture for me. I, I, yeah, they were set pretty low there. Um, Joe, why didn't you help him uh, raise them? <laughs> well, I mean, Gabby, this is something that you and I share because we have both vomited in front of Cameron in the Bay Area. That's uh, true. Yeah. So, and I would tell that story on the podcast because it's it's equally entertaining and disgusting, but it does not relate to Jimmy Buffett. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll collect all of our uh, barfing in the Bay Area stories. We'll put it on Patreon. Let's folks. yeah, let's do that as a Patreon exclusive because I would love. To tell <laughs> okay, I wish this one was a Patreon exclusive, but if we could get to that many more uh, Patreoners, I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Yeah. Patrons. Yeah. Patrons. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I would have made the same mistake, Gabby. I would have made the same mistake. So, Gabby, now that you've uh, now that you've told that uh, that disgusting barf story, would you like to uh, plug your Instagram? Gabby's not on the website. All right, thanks, babe. Don't Google me. <laughs> ah, and with that, folks, we can get started here on Tin Cup for a Chalice, a CBB. Uh, to round it out, the strongest track 11 we've had today. Here we go. Oh, got a good intro, too. Yeah, it does. I want to go back to the island where the shrimples tie up to the pile. Give me all to this song in a second here because it does have plenty of good bits but uh yeah. what were your impressions excellent harmonies uh on this album as a whole and on this song in particular uh again i have an issue with the rhyming um, oh. on that chorus i want to be there way down by the sea there he rhymed there with there uh, yeah. well which there was it i think it was the same there mm. oh. and you know, this, uh, it, I guess you can't really rhyme B with C because B and C rhyme, but you can't end the sentence with I want to be. I guess maybe you could. Sure you can, yeah. Yeah. That would have been a better rhyme. But yeah, this is another example of a lazy Jimmy Buffett rhyming. And again, what if all artists did this? What if every artist <laughs> just put there at the end of every sentence and just made that the rhyme? How would this I mean, function? He's not the only or the first or last person to do it. But let's let's check yeah. back and see how this is progressing. Here. 
instrumental breakdown here yeah um yeah you know joe um I, if we can nitpick some more about mm -hmm. missed opportunities what if on this album art he had a tin cup instead yeah with like some kind of a branding on it that uh, <laughs> that he could he could later market oh <laughs> uh, i mean do you think you can buy right now on the margaritaville store a tin cup absolutely a hundred percent and if we can't then that's a major major oversight by <laughs> like a margaritaville tin cup absolutely yeah. yeah for red wine or moscow mules or whatever else you would want um yeah um i mean look classic style you get all the best jimmy stuff uh references to drinking um references to the beach um you get a uh, archaic reference that i didn't quite understand um, get that Packard up and let's move. Um, I didn't realize that he was an early adopter of uh, Hugh Packard stock, but it makes sense why he, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that he would be in on that. He's a cunning businessman, um, so. Yeah. That's actually the his Hewlett Packard stock is what he's living off of. He's he doesn't even cash the royalty checks for any of these songs. It's just the AB yeah. stock. Yeah, the performances, the planes, the Margaritaville stuff, that's all just for uh, for funsies. Uh, yeah. Really, it's that HP stuff, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, men he mentioned it. He said, hey, get that Hewlett Packard fired up. You know how long these old computers take to boot up, guy. Yeah, this is back yeah, in the move. days when, like, you had to, like, put a spool of something on the computer. To, <laughs> yeah, to the, mo the modems were rotary modems. You had to, to yeah. dial, yeah. <laughs> they had half a gigabyte of memory. <laughs> Our very first computer um, was a compact computer. I remember my dad got it for work. Um, I also remember that its hard drive space was a total of 16 megabytes. Right. <laughs> it's like an, I was like, a, like, a, like the smaller end of a, not even an iPhone. That's like a, that's like a, a thumb drive. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, it's like a big Google Doc. Yeah. Um, I thought you said uh, gigabytes. I was like, gigabytes, that'd be like a small iPhone. No, be like The lower end iPhones, but no, megabytes, that'd be like a thumb drive. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, you can't fault him for his business sense. Um, Joe, anything else on this uh, track or this? No, album? nothing else. Just a great, like you said, it's the strongest ending to the album we've had, to an, a Jimmy Buffett album we've had so far. Really, really great song. Well, maybe God's Own Drunk. I appreciated that. But again, I think that was more of like a, a what would you call it? A, a, not an outro, but a... Uh, it was... Uh, um, an, uh, well, I'm blanking on musical terminology. Um, it was a it was a fun epilogue. It was almost yeah. like a it was like a DVD special almost on the track there for God's sake. And it truck. wasn't but, written by Buffett either. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is a real CBB. The first CBB to end an album for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, Joe, that was A one A, which means it's time for a Margaritaville rating. Ah, uh, yes, the Margarita rating. Okay, so um, I told you uh, at the beginning of the show that I may, my margarita rating may surprise you. Um, mm. my, uh, my initial listen to this album, I honestly, not really a weak track on this album. Like there are some tracks that are, that are not very strong, but even like the, the, the weaker, like I would say like, for example, um, uh, that song that we called really gross. I forget what it was called. <laughs> Stories uh, we could tell. Stories we could tell. 
I would say, okay, and, and um, you know, trying to reason with Hurricane Season, those were like the weaker songs on the album, but mm-hmm. they were at least like interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the highs were really high. So I thought, this is maybe a zero. This is a zero Ooh. margarita album where like, I don't need anything to enjoy this album. But then on maybe like my second or third listen to the album around the time I got to side B, around the time that I was listening to Pirate Looks at 40, I started thinking, man, I could really go for a margarita right now. This album is making me want a margarita, which means this is our first negative one margarita album. Oh, my God. I am shocked. I didn't think you were actually going to get me, but you shocked me, Joe. Yeah. Wow. This is a negative one. This is this is the strongest album by far I, I think we've listened to so far of Jimmy Buffett, like all around, both in terms wow. of like the heights it gets and the consistency of it, the overall enjoyability. Wow. I, Joe, I, I don't know what to say. I, I mean, I think I agree with you. This is the best one, but a negative margarita. Look at you. Negative go. margarita. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think I listened to this one the most times just mm-hmm. casually because it kind of it went down smooth like a margarita yeah it did yeah yeah no um i really enjoyed this album um i like all the pop stuff um mm-hmm. uh, emotionally affecting even mm-hmm. uh especially door number three guess. the most door emotionally charged song on the album um yeah no um if i was thinking about a rating um i mean first of all we got, I got to give it a banana wind. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. I, it, it's just, it's all over. Um, I'm going to give it at least three fingers, uh, if not four. I, I, there was just some serious fingers action all the way through this thing. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, I will give it, I think, one pop top, but no Uh-oh. cut heels. Just a okay. pop top, I think I would have resequenced it. I don't think that side A and B should have been so different. Hmm. It's kind of like Joshua Tree, you know, like where like there's such a distinct, there's such a delineation between A and B where like one side has all of the hits and the other side has like the kind of album tracks that are still really good. Are you talking about U2? Yeah, I'm talking U2 to you. You're talking U2 to me? Um, yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm not it's just It's a similar album in that, in that regard. That's what I was kind of thinking when I was listening to this, to this uh, album. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll accept your word for it. Um, yeah, I think I would have, um, I would have switched stories we could tell with mm. uh, Hurricane Season, and I think I would have moved Tim Tin Cup Chalice to where um, Dallas is. Oh, and you're, you're, you're doing the. Dealers. You're rearranging the album. You're doing the yeah. The, I think it should be the classic album. Okay, you're resequencing yeah. it. Yeah. I don't think I would. I don't think I would resequence. I think I. I think trying to reason i i might change where stories we could tell i think that's a that's a side b song for sure yeah for sure but i think i think trying to reason with hurricane season it's it belongs toward the end of the album i think just because it's yeah. like a very sort of malaise kind of song uh i just think like yeah you don't want to you, you definitely don't want to put that on side a no well i don't know if stories we could tell belongs to side a either anyway yeah. joe um it's a banana wind, it's a few fingers, and uh, maybe a pop top, but overall, a solid album. Two yeah, CBBs uh, and a gold star for Mr. Jimmy James Buffett. Absolutely. Joe, did mm-hmm. we 
did we finish the podcast kind of on time? Well, we we gotta we gotta we gotta get to plugs though. Oh, oh right, right, Joe. You have anything to plug? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. So since last uh, we recorded our uh, our podcast, I have set up uh, official social media accounts for this podcast. So you can now follow Podcasting in Paradise on both Instagram and Twitter. It's at Pod in Paradise. That's at sign P O D I N P A. R-A-D-I-S-E. I think I spelled paradise right. You Taught in paradise on Twitter and Instagram. We got some exclusives on there too. We don't just, we post like clips from the show. I do polls every once in a while. Uh, Ooh, that was a good poll. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got some other polls in mind that I want to do. So uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at pod in paradise. And also obviously follow my dogs on Instagram. That's uh, at Rococo underscore Frenchies. Uh, that's at sign R O U C O C O underscore Frenchies <laughs> on Instagram. Um, and uh, if you want to see more of me, um, you can go to uh, Podcast in Paradise. Honestly, I don't really know if I want to give out all my stuff. Uh, you can go view Two Cooks, Two Kitchens, my briefly uh, uh, surviving, uh, or excuse me, Instagram cooking show. Uh, Short lived cooking show. Yeah, Joe and I have an episode in there. I think it's episode three or four. Um, yeah, other than that, I think you can just uh, stay tuned here. Uh, remember, we've got a big prediction coming up for two Wednesdays from now. Something is going to happen. So stay wait, uh, before we before we leave oh, the yeah. plugs, though, you you mentioned the the booking the cook along thing, but you didn't really elaborate on that. So maybe you. Oh wanna... yeah, um, if you guys want to do a cook along, where you know you do a paint and sip you all paint the same thing and you watch someone do it and your turns out a little bit worse. You can do that with food too, it turns out, and I'll help you do it. So if you want to go to CameronCollins.me, that's CameronCollins.me, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-C-O-L-L-I-N-S.me, you can book a cook-along. And uh, folks, I'll give you even a special time uh, offer here. If you put in the message that you're coming from Podcasting in Paradise, I'll do a flat rate $30. Um, asterisk, if your ingredients cost more than $30, I won't make any money. So like, you know, we got to be reasonable. But uh, if you'd like to do a cook-along, you and any number of your friends that you want to get together, we will do it. Yeah, um, and, uh, and we did that on the – Cameron and I have done a cook-along together. It's a lot of fun. You can go see that on his website. We cooked fiery tofu together. So yes. if, you want more, if you want more of us, you can always uh, go take a look at that on his website or on Instagram. Um, and other than that, um, we will be back with episode five in two weeks where we'll be listening to another big album, Havana Daydreaming. And, uh, well, Joe, should we save the surprise now or should we wait? Well, let's just tease them and say that we are going to have a very special guest on uh, our next episode. A very special guest. Um, and uh, we'll leave it with that. So, uh, folks, you can just join us next time for some more congas, vibes. And other little goodies. Thanks, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.